Hi, I'm Rutledge. Hey, I'm Connor. And we're Friends Stream Sports. We're real friends talking about real sports in real time. And Connor, it's it's really December. Can you believe it? It's really December. And for those Floridians out here that are going to be joining us tonight, Rutledge, it is real cold. But I'm excited to be here. We're going to get nice and warm with some hot takes and just have a great evening tonight as I try to make it two wins in a row in Madden. But we are excited to play an NFC North matchup to celebrate this cold weather here tonight. Oh, yeah. I uh, I can't believe it's December. I can't believe we're here. I believe this is month three for our show, for everyone out there who's been following us. So thank you for your continued loyalty. We're in our, in our third month there. I'm going to do a quick uniform flip through to see if there's anything not blue and orange in this lineup I want to use. Maybe we'll go 80s Bears. 80s bears love it do a little super 1985's home uniform looks the exact same we're gonna do a little super bowl shuffle tonight let's do it let's yeah do but how it. are you doing with the cold connor you bundled up did you wear a sweater today you know i wore a long sleeve shirt when i went on my jog earlier but besides that i uh you know i'm i'm just uh as you know rutledge and maybe our viewer knows I, I am pretty hairy, so, uh, you know, I, I like to think that I'm kind of built for this weather. So I'm really hitting my sweet spot of living in Florida right now as the temperature dips, that's for sure. Uh, what about you, Rutledge? Did you go with a nice vest, maybe something North Face branded? I, uh, I did not vest it out today. I was not invested in the cold weather. I just kind of hung out in the house. I wore, wore a long sleeve t-shirt and some pajama pants around the house today. I did nothing. Um, but I don't think our viewers knew how hairy you were until right now, so I'm glad you shared that with us. Good, good. Well, you know, one thing that has has more a, a more numerous amount of things than my hair, Rutledge, are the amount of NBA offseason moves this 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 offseason. It's been a quick offseason so far, but good night has it been a fast and furious offseason so far uh, here in the NBA, and it's it's coming up here later this month. We're tipping off. Oh yeah, before we jump into the NBA, I actually want to take a French Street Sports recognized as someone who made furious moves, and shout out to Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt being the first female to um, start and play in a Power 5 conference college football game. Good for you, Sarah, for coming out of the keeper position for Vanderbilt soccer and jumping out there. So we just want to take time and say we appreciate you and congratulations. Oh yeah, big, big time Sarah Fuller. Maybe she'll be playing on Sundays. Maybe she'll be playing on Sundays, right? I can't wait to see Sarah Puller blow up people like Pat McAfee used to back in the day. Yes. But uh, you're right, Connor. A uh, lot of NBA offseason moves. And I pulled kind of a list of some. Um, but the one team that I'm kind of worried about their offseason moves is there's been a lot of moves where some people moved off the Magic. So did you see any of the Magic's moves they made, Connor? You know, the big one that I saw uh, was DJ Augustine is now a Milwaukee Buck. I would uh, starting point guard DJ Augustine, now Milwaukee Buck. But I uh, would love to hear your take on that. I've got my take on that, dear Rutledge. But, you know, uh, what do you think about DJ Augustine going to Milwaukee? So I look at it as um, – I look at it more of a concern for – I look at it from the Milwaukee sideline. I think that a story to come out of the moves for especially DJ Augustine 
and some other moves they made is it looks like the Bucks are finally trying to put around the pieces and realizing that Giannis, as amazing as Giannis is, Giannis is not made to carry your franchise. He's not LeBron James. He's a really good piece to a puzzle. So I think of it more that the Bucks are doing the right things, but I worry the magic, kind of like what they had with Shaq and what they have with Dwight Howard, they have good, they had, I mean, Augustine's not a Shaq or Dwight Howard, but they have a decent piece of talent that they've now floundered away to someone else. And anyone that's sympathetic to the magic is going to watch that talent now flourish somewhere else. So what is your take? You know, Rutledge, uh, my take on DJ Augustine is very similar to my take on soccer player Jossie Zardes and his time in the U.S. men's national team. And that is, if you have to rely on Jossie Zardes to make big-time plays in big-time games, you are in trouble. I am A-OK with DJ Augustine leaving the Orlando Magic. I think in a lot of ways it, it will be addition by subtraction for the Magic. Um, you know, you get a chance to let Markel Fultz play a little bit more point guard. The Magic draft at a guard in Cole Anthony, who can, you know, who, who's got going to have some potential for sure. Um, you know, DJ Augustine's a six-one point guard with you know decent passing skills and can't shoot all that well. Um, I, I don't know how much of an addition it's going to make for Milwaukee. Uh, maybe some bench depth, but you know, DJ Augustine will be a, uh, you know, they'll they'll try to get something for him. That's for sure. It's tough because he put up 9.9 points per game, so that's not, you know, that's not that's not going to make your championship run, but it's better than nothing. So it's it's a tough go. Um, someone else I kind of wanted to talk about with some offseason moves is the Celtics. So we know that Gordon Hayward wanted to leave Boston, um, and he's gone, but also Wanamaker is gone, and he is um, Wanamaker is a warrior now. So obviously. You know, Boston has been moving around some pieces. How do you feel about Brad Stevens and this team kind of getting rid of their talent and shifting around and just sort of what do they have left? What are you taking on the Celtics, Connor? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think that Jason Tatum uh, is really, really good uh, this this year more than ever. Uh, as you know, as a guy like Gordon Hayward left, now what kind of impact did Gordon Hayward have? Uh, I don't know. He's definitely, definitely, and I called a fair catch at the three-yard line because I was in the middle of my great Gordon Hayward take. Uh -huh. uh, he, he definitely uh, was injured a lot, so maybe we didn't see as good as Gordon Hayward could be. But, uh, you know, Brad Stevens is definitely known for making a lot of good moves and making, you know, having, doing the, making the most with the players that he has. But it's, you know, eventually... <laughs> You got to put somebody in a Celtics uniform, uh, but I think that uh, I think Boston is not going to dip as much because of if you look at the record that um, that Boston had without Gordon Hayward. I don't I don't necessarily know if that's as big of a deal, uh, but I think that Adam Thielen is going to take this to the house. Adam Thielen is scoring. gone. Uh, Amukamara yes. cannot catch Thielen. Opening touchdown by Connor. Rutledge totally calls a run play defense and gets blown to pieces. So Connor, I know you're hunting for you're hunting for two and zero. Hunting for two and zero tonight, my friend. So you know the Celtics are uh, really. I think the big story in the Celtics has a lot more to do with the additions from the other teams in the East, most notably the players coming back for teams like Brooklyn. But um, 
I know we're going to talk about them here shortly. But Rutledge, what do, what do you take about the Celtics? So I think it's just interesting to see what is Brad Stevens doing with the roster. He's We kind of said this a lot during the bubble, is he does a good job of taking system pieces and making it work. He still kind of coaches the NBA like college ball, but it works. So I'm not worried about Boston. I don't think they'll fall to pieces. I don't think that Brad Stevens is a superstar coach. I think once the ego, of, once the, the superstarness of a player gets too big, Brad Stevens doesn't want to be around them, kind of like John Gruden in that they just want people that can get the job done. So as we get here within the last two minutes, Connor, um, I put together some kind of storylines and headlines that we're going to kind of see. So give me at least one storyline or one sort of headline question mark that you have going into this NBA season that you're going to watch this year. Maybe one or two. Doc Rivers to Philly? Definitely not a question mark on Doc Rivers to Philly. He is there, and how does that look, and how is that going to work? What's another – what is your take on Doc Rivers? You know, uh, my take on Doc Rivers, I I think that we learned more about Doc Rivers during his time in uh, in L.A. as opposed to his time in Boston. Uh, Being being from Orlando, going to a lot of Orlando Magic games, you know, Doc Rivers certainly, you know, has plays – and certainly can get to the playoffs, but was not oh, able to a pick. get to the promised land with a, a, an LA team that you know should have performed much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, a coach, a coach has, especially in the NBA these days, right? The coach has to have the mental capacity of his team ready to play. And you know, you, you heard it a little bit during the bubble, but uh, after the bubble, it became very certain that the LA Clippers just didn't want to be there. Right, Doc Rivers would, you know, it's almost like he was rotating guys out. Um, you know, now with that, he had, that's with a team that had more pieces that work. Uh, now he's going to the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid type Philadelphia roster that Doc Rivers is going to actually have to do some work in terms of personalities, which I don't know how well he's suited for that, uh, quite frankly. So uh, we're going to see. We're going to see this. Uh, it should be at least very interesting uh, to, to, to watch play out. So what say you, Rutledge, on Doc Rivers and Philly? Didn't they sign – did they sign Rondo or did they sign Howard this offseason? I can't remember. No, they signed Dwight Howard this year. Because John Rondo is John Rondo's in Atlanta. Yeah, he's a – so it will be interesting to see what those personalities kind of do. Doc Rivers likes to have his big three. Um, that's just kind of his shtick. So how does he make that – how does he make that work in the Clippers? I think there's that. I think the more important thing to watch is, speaking of Doc Rivers, is what is who owns the Staples Center this year? You know, the Lakers had Rondo and Howard look like just bench players, and now they're back, and LeBron's there, and Doc Rivers is gone, so I think that's better for the Clippers roster, but who owns the Staples Center? Who wins in that building, and who does really well? That whole division with now... Golden State got some got some draft picks in there. They made some roster moves with Wanamaker. Who owns that sort of division and who owns the Staples Center? So that's what I'm kind of watching out on the West Coast is what does that kind of look like? What is your take with the battle for L.A. this year, Connor? You know, the battle for L.A. Uh, in, in very similar Tom Brady fashion, uh, as our viewer must know, I, I tend to take similar takes all throughout, you know, within different sports. 
I think I don't think it's always the wisest idea to to go against LeBron James until LeBron James hangs it up or is it is just so evident that LeBron James cannot handle it anymore. I think that uh, you got to stick with LeBron James. I think um, I'm forgetting off the top of my head some of their roster moves, but they did bring in a few uh, pretty interesting pieces as, uh, in light of not having Rondo and not having Dwight Howard anymore. Uh, so you know, I think that. I think that the Lakers are gonna are gonna keep winning LA, and the Lakers are gonna uh, make a deep run into the Western Conference playoffs. And a team out of the West is gonna have to answer to LA before the LA Lakers before they make it. I think that the Clippers are an interesting story. I don't know if Ty Lue can get him over the hump. I don't know what he brings to the table that Doc Rivers didn't. So, what do you think, Rutledge? I'm all of those things. I'm excited about all that stuff. All I know is training camp and media days started today. Um, the first half of the season, the first half of the schedule should come out soon, which will probably break down in a couple weeks. The second half of the schedule will come out later in March. Um, we have so much to talk about with the NBA still. We're just going to tip the tip of the iceberg. And then, Connor, I'm excited for what's called the 7, 8, 9, 10 playoffs to where 7 through 10 get locked into the playoffs. And then there's a scenario to see. Um, they basically play two games each, and that sort of slots into who gets what seed in the playoffs. So even the playoffs kind of have that bubble tournament feel. So this NBA season, I had a lot of fun watching them play out at Disney. I'm going to have a lot of fun this year watching them. But I think it's now time, as we close with the NBA, to take it in. There's so many storylines we need to go through soon. It's time for us to take into our State of the Shield um, for our second quarter topic. And there's a reason we're playing... State of the Shield, our weekly NFL topic. There's a reason we're playing Bears-Vikings and not doing so well with the Bears. Um, we need to talk. We'll break down conference by division by division, and it's time to talk about the um, NFC North. So we need to stop at start at the top and work our way kind of down. And I'm going to start with the Green Bay Packers and give a big old Go Pack Go. Um, Connor, I know I bring this up all the time about how you pick the Packers to be down, but uh, Aaron Rodgers has been scoring tons of points. The coaching staff and the players are clicking. They uh, Aaron Rodgers actually leads the leads in passing touchdowns this year, and uh, they're only losing close games by a little, so they have some things to tighten up. I think they're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. I want to see how they play the Titans in a couple weeks, um, especially since their run game is nasty. But I think the Packers are riding high in this division, and there's no one that can catch them. How do you feel about Green Bay, especially watching it this year? Well, you know, it's an interesting take on the, uh, you know, it's an interesting take on the Packers losing close games, apparently getting blown out by, I think, was it over four touchdowns to Tampa Bay? Uh, constitutes a close game. Uh, to me, that doesn't necessarily constitute a close game. Nevertheless. Uh, they are Packers are most definitely leading the division and they're gonna probably end up winning the division uh, That is something that I was uh, I, You know, hey gotta where Connor was wrong. I think that uh, they you know They're gonna have the talent to win the division um, outside of an Aaron Rodgers injury uh, which not Totally outside of the realm of possibility, but you can't bet on injuries although this year it seems like you can bet on players having COVID um, but, uh, you know, they, the thing about it, they seem, even dating back to last season, they seem to keep losing the same way. And they lost to Tampa. They lost to these Minnesota Vikings right here. Not these Minnesota Vikings, but Minnesota Vikings circa 2020. 
They uh, teams would just get real physical with them. Uh, so I think you're right. I think that we're going to learn everything we need to know about the Packers and the potential of their playoff run um, based off the Titans game, which I did mention the Vikings as they did beat the Packers. Rutledge, what are you, what are you thinking about the Vikings as this season closes out? I think that with the Packers, you can't sell any stock of it just because they lose to now the media's doom and bloom, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 38-10. to 10. So they're flying high, and while that might have been a loss to a close game, they only lost the Vikings 28-22. to 22. I think that the Packers are still a force to be reckoned with. The Vikings, I think, have... The Vikings are 100% sitting in the driver's seat because Dalvin Cook is... A bad, bad man, which is why Connor keeps trying to. Oh, Connor misses the field goal in friend stream sports fashion. Look at that. Mm. Run away with the Packers score and run away with the field goal. Um, but as it goes, Dalvin Cook is a bad, bad man. He's just, he's probably one of the greatest things to come out of the state of Florida and play. I really, Dalvin Cook would be the number one rushing leader in the NFL if Derrick Henry this weekend didn't screw up all of his stats. But, um, they. They need to just sort of, they are second in the league in yards per attempted pass, so they can throw the deep ball. So I like the Vikings that they have this good run the ball, run like a play-action play system, throw the deep pass when they need to. Um, they're getting better. You know, Kirk Cousins has thrown some sort of late interception stuff, but they're kind of cleaning it up. Their schedule has Bucks and Saints left on it. So um, they need to kind of, they need to see how that schedule is going to be and their defense needs to get off the field sooner. They've allowed 29 attempted, that's a second pick, they've allowed 29 attempted field goals this year, which I think is too many because you're not getting teams off deep enough back where they don't want to at least try the field goal. I like the Vikings, um, but they just, they still have some opportunity. Hey, first off, shout out to Aurora Christian standout Chad Beattie. Uh, for getting a great first touchdown reception this weekend. Uh, I, I, when I was at Wheaton College, I did some work over at Aurora Christian. Uh, I'm familiar with uh, the BB family. So uh, son of a former NFL wide receiver, Don BB, I believe played for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so shout out to Chad BB. Uh, you know, the Vikings are the, I think the Vikings could be the example of that team that started out not all that great, but now nobody's going to want to play them, right? They they started out pretty poor, um, more poor than that play that I just ran, but they have won four of their last five games. And then, you, I know you did mention their two tough games uh, that are left on the schedule, but don't forget their other three games. Right, the Jags, Bears, Lions, and I know we're going to touch on the Bears here and the Lions, but uh, Jacksonville is not, you know, Jacksonville is definitely going to um, be a game that should be very winnable for the for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, this could, yeah, I think that uh, how they play against against Tampa Bay is going to be very critical to, um, and the Saints is going to be critical to any potential playoff run, assuming that they maybe sneak in the back door, maybe make some noise. But I think that the Vikings are a team that is really starting to put it together at the time that you need them to put it together. I know that you need the Vikings to get in the playoffs for your three NFC West team prediction to come true because right now all four NFC West teams 
see what the possibility of getting the playoffs which blows my mind because San Francisco has been a mess. I, I'm saying that that would actually validate my prediction even more. Look at that. If all four of them got in. I mean, the, the NFC West is that loaded. I think we'll have to put that up for booth review. We'll have to make that a poll. <laughs> Was Connor more right or less right based off of this prediction? Yes, yes, yes. But so, so I have a take on the, the Vikings. Yeah. I have a take on the Bears I want to share. So yeah. I was on NFL.com today and they showed um, Matt Nagy's. Dang, never mind. I just got sacked. That's depressing. They showed Matt Nagy's recent press conference and he basically sat on his press conference and basically called out the team for losing. He spent this whole time saying um, they had no odds. So he gave a speech. He was. Uh, trying to motivate the team, but it really sort of felt like it should have been one to call everyone out. It basically was a call out everyone for doing a bad job. And he even gave the stat that the defense allowed 22 or 36 plays to be for five yards or more. And it was one of those, time and time again, we watch the NFL, and when coaches air their dirty laundry about their roster on TV, it seems to go south for them. So I really think Matt Nagy is losing the locker room. Um, I think his job's in trouble. I also, I wasn't bought into what the Bears were doing when they drafted Mitchell Trubisky, which tonight for me, that shows, because this ain't working. Um, I can't get a pass to land, which is why I'm down 16-0 going into the two-minute warning. But um, they have this amazingly good defensive roster that when Khalil Mack first got traded to the Bears, they looked scary, and they can't seem to do, there's a safety. They can't seem to do anything with it. Um, they keep rotating quarterbacks in and out. They just don't seem to have kind of an identity. So I think the Bears are lost, and I think they're kind of searching. What do you think? Uh, you know, Rutledge, I was admittedly higher on the Bears probably than I should have been this uh, coming into this season. I was a, I was a Matt Nagy fan. Um, I, I never thought Mitchell Trubisky was a great quarterback, but getting to watch them the year that they went to the playoffs – Right there was something that just kind of seemed really fun about the way that Matt Nagy was drawing up plays for Mitchell Trubisky, uh, in essence creating opportunities and, and I mean really coaching his butt off uh, to enable him to you know put the Bears in the position to make the playoffs. And the Bears this season have been absolutely atrocious. Uh, they have, I mean, they have David Montgomery. Uh, you know, they can, they, I know Cordell Patterson usually does more on the, from the wide receiver position, but, you know, you can get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. You've got athletic folks. The Bears average 82 rushing yards per game, which ranks them dead last in the NFL. If you're going to have a great defense and not be able to put the ball up in the air and you can't run, I mean, your defense can only do so much, right? So, uh, you know, I think that, Oddly enough, due to the amount of teams in the playoffs, the Bears I don't think are technically mathematically out just yet. But I do think that if the Bears lose this weekend to the Lions, uh, even if that's even if it's still not statistically how it is, you could you could put a fork in the Bears. I, I think that, that they've got a lot of problems on offense to work through, and Matt Nagy could very well be one of those problems. Yeah, I totally agree. By the way, shout out to our viewer, Stephen Kicklider. He's back for another week here of Friends Stream Sports, viewing us live. Thank you for coming. Hey, um, Stephen. But yeah, totally lost. Totally gone. I really think 
Nagy and everyone's in trouble up there in Chicago. Not as in much trouble as Matt Patricia. So here's an interesting take. I watched, once again, some NFL.com this morning. <clears throat> Apparently, Matt Patricia pulled the good old I came from the school of Belichick stock, come in to tell everyone in Detroit they're doing their jobs wrong. We know how to do our jobs right. And he lost, he lost the locker room. Uh, one player quoted out on Twitter that when Patricia was fired, their reaction was, the dictator is gone. So I think the Lions are going to get better, but not amazingly better. Remember, this is Detroit. This is the franchise that wasted Barry Sanders and also wasted Calvin Johnson. I think they'll get Lions better and win some games here near the end of the year. They're not going to go in the playoffs. Um, but they even haven't won a divisional game yet. So... Um, I don't know where they're going, but now everyone's really going to scramble to make sure they have a paycheck in 2021. What is your reaction to Matt Patricia being fired? You know, it's it's so odd that the amount of Belichick assistants just don't work out. Uh, but, you know, just kind of, he seemed just kind of a little too smart for his own good, a little too chippy for his own good. If you're not winning football games, you know, you got to you gotta, uh, be better than that. Um, and uh, the coach bump can be a thing, especially this year, looking at you, Raheem Morris in Atlanta. But, you know, I, I, Lions have a ton of work to do in a lot of different positions. Matt Stafford is a playoff quarterback. But, yeah, here we are. They're going to probably be on the outside looking in after getting just crushed by the Texans on Thanksgiving Day. So um, that's how I feel about that, Rutledge. And I, I know how you feel about halftime. You must be getting pretty chilly because you're ready to warm up with some hot takes, aren't you? I have been throwing 33% completions this game with Mitchell Trubisky, so I am struggling. I need something to heat up. So with that goes, uh, our halftime hot takes this year is, as we look to the playoffs, uh, who is the other team in the NFC North, that, besides the Packers, that has a shot on making a playoff run? And obviously we mean not the Lions. So, uh, Connor, who is your pick for making the playoffs out of the NFC North? You know, I'm I'm going I'm, I'm going with the Vikings. I, I tipped my pick a little bit, uh, but I think that down the stretch for the Vikings to make it in the playoffs, there's going to be one game where everyone says, "Man, we were wrong about Kirk Cousins." There's my hot take. Dalvin Cook can get them most of the way there, but as as I like to say, you got to win a variety of ways. There's going to be one game where Kirk Cousins is going to have to put the team on his back, shout you like that at the end of the game. And I, I think that if that happens, the Vikings very very well should be in the playoffs. They just need that one time. They need one really good game from Kirk Cousins, uh, assuming everything else stays the same. I'm also going to take the Vikings because I'm going to put it on the back of Dalvin Cook. I think they're going to run that thing downhill, make it happen. Kirk Cousins can manage it enough, and they will get there. But skull to them. Here they go, the Minnesota Vikings. So we're going to boot back in, and now this is our time where, as usual, we talk and college football, which is Connor and I's favorite sport in the second half. But instead of going through our normal rankings, we're going to talk about um, who should be number four. And this is, as we're on the same page, and I'm going to announce mine, and Connor, correct me, but this should be that our number, our top three going into, this is the playoff itself, you should have, our top three should be Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then we're debating number four. Do you agree? You know, yeah, I think, uh, sorry, you know, yeah, I think top three, Notre Dame is not in the top three. All right. So 
Connor, go first. Give us who your number four is and give us some reasons why. Well, uh, number four, you, you can go no, go no further than College Station, Texas, uh, the Texas A&M Aggies, uh, who Kirk Herbstreet uh, once said, when Texas A&M is winning, that is the best place to watch a college football game in the entire country. Uh, and that's coming from a guy who played at the old horseshoe. So, um, you know, I think that there are a variety of reasons why Texas A&M, as it stands today, is should be the number four uh, should be the number four team in the country. First off, their head coach has been there before. Jimbo Fisher not only has been there before, but has won before. Uh, you can say Brian Kelly at Notre Dame has been there before, but, uh, you know, as per usual with this in the past 10 years, when he got there against Alabama and got there into the national championship game, got absolutely crushed. Jimbo has been in a lot of big games, coached a lot of big games, is able to understand how to uh, prepare a team for big games. Uh, so I think first off, Jimbo Fisher gets should get some credit for sure. Uh, second off, I think at the quarterback position, because the quarterback position is so critical, uh, you know, Kellen Mond, uh, you know, has maybe not, you know, he hasn't thrown for all the yards, this, that, and the other. And I know we like to get all caught up in the amount of yards and all these big-time stats, things like that. Kellen Mond's only thrown two interceptions this year. Uh, I think that that is very, very critical and just as critical as your great punt there. Good job, Rutledge. Oh, thanks, man. It's uh, <laughs> the best thing I've done uh, all game. Your your punter is crushing it. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think being able to protect the ball and being able to, uh, you know, be very efficient on offense is very critical, which being a Florida State fan is not always the most Jimbo Fisher-like thing. Um so I think you got that piece to consider. I think that uh, if you look, you know, you're looking at eye tests, you're looking at you're looking at uh, uh, best wins of the season, right? I think that the Florida, the win over the Florida Gators, although very close, I think is incredibly, incredibly impressive. Being able to uh, win that game, 41-38, there on that last second, uh, that last second field goal, is, is very. You know, I think is um, I, that means something, right? The the Florida Gators have uh, really won a lot of games by a lot of points, except versus Texas A&M, uh, which led to the Dan Mullen just going off and saying he wants ninety thousand people in the swamp. Then he got COVID, but I digress. <laughs> uh, you know, but I I think that. Uh, yet again, another theme that I always talk about is you have to be able to win games in a variety of ways. Uh, the college football playoff, you know, teams that make the playoffs are going to be able to take your best thing away from you. Uh, whether or not that's the Clemson, whether or not that's Ohio State, they've got a lot of really good NFL quality players on those sidelines are going to be able to take your best thing away from you. So you have to be able to win in a variety of ways. And you might look at 20, you know, A&M just beating a low, lowly LSU team 20-7 to 7, um, as sort of a man. A&M should have scored more points. And that game was 20 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I think that that actually shows a lot about the Aggies' defense, which is another really important point to consider. Um, and I'm going to touch on that here briefly. But it shows that uh, they can win games in a variety of ways. They can win in those shootout-type games, and they can also – win in defensive struggles um, and where their offense maybe isn't maybe isn't clicking, maybe isn't scoring all the points. Um, 
because their defense is really solid, I think is the other piece to consider. The Aggies do lead the SEC in yards per game and are third in the conference in points per game. And that does include uh, their their one loss against Alabama. So, you know, I, I, that's that's why I think AM's is number four, Rutledge. Uh, but you might have a different take on who number four is, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, Connor, I appreciate your take about number four. Let me see if I can make a pass work. There we go. We finally threw something. For a score update to everyone, I am just very sullenly sitting in my house to a 25-0 score as I suffer with the Bears. But I'm not going to suffer through my take of number four. Um, all of that about Texas A&M is fine and dandy, but it does not compare to anyone outside of the state of Florida known as Connor's favorite team, the Florida Gators. Chomp, chomp. So, um, oh, we caught that pass. Um, so here's my here's my sort of take on the Florida Gators. They've scored a minimum 34 points a game in the SEC, all SEC game conferences. That includes their loss to Texas A&M. The big thing to sort of take away about Florida, if you really want to put it out there, everyone thought Kirby Smart was a good coach until he played Dan Mullen's Florida Gators this year. Let me put that out there again. A coach who took a team to the college football championship and competed for the SEC championship against Alabama, while not well, does seem to be a legitimate college coach and not just using someone else's roster until he played the Florida Gators this year. Kyle Trask is putting up a 71% accuracy. He's a top five QB in yards for the year. Um, and they're completely sort of tearing it apart with everyone they're playing. Dan Mullen is very much a quarterback whisperer type of coach. I mean, look what he did for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott without Dan Mullen is not as impressive as Dak Prescott with Dan Mullen. Um, they even have a strong passing defense, and they're doing it without a good running game. Their, their strongest running back has not even crossed 500 yards for the season. Excuse me. So the way that I kind of look at it is, yes, Florida did lose to Texas A&M, but there's a beauty, beautiful thing. Oh, you got to catch that. There's a beautiful thing in college football that I like to call losing at the right time. I believe Florida's loss to Texas A&M at the right time. Mullins blew up on TV, sort of like Tebow's infamous speech that is attached to the wall of Ben Griffin Hill Stadium is a, is a thing that you need to motivate and inspire a team and to get a team sort of rallied behind. Keep in mind, um, I believe, didn't Ohio State have one loss the year they went into the college football playoff and won it with, a, with different quarterbacks every single day? So... There's a there's a system behind Florida being able to sort of make a run. The other thing I think that really sort of owns for Florida is they own their own destiny. All Florida has to do is go to Atlanta and beat Bama. Once they beat Bama, they're in. Um, they are they are totally going to be fine and make their way into the playoffs. And no one's going to doubt their one loss because they're in because they won the right games, they made the right moves. And I don't believe in AM, which I will talk in the fourth quarter, but there's nothing really sort of outside of Florida's schedule that is going to stop them. They're beating bad teams by a lot. And I think they're going to continue to do that even when they get to playing LSU. Um, side hot take I think we're seeing a sad decline of Coach Ogeron at Louisiana State University. And I like Coach O. But I think that's another show for another day. But I think Florida will handily handle LSU more than Texas A&M did over the weekend. And people will see that 
this is the team you really need to look for. So I'm taking the Florida Gators in their jorts, going to the playoff, making some noise. I think they'll match up really well as a four seed against probably a number one seed Clemson because I don't think Ohio State will, Ohio State will climb that high. And I look forward to watching that game. Wow. Dude, keep going. Oh, I'm going to keep going as I take this pick to the house. Rutledge is coming back. Rutledge Boom. is Dance coming back. So, well, Rutledge, keep, keep going, man. You're, you're, on, you're on a hot streak. Tell me, there we go. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about, about uh, the mighty Florida Gator rushing attack. So the Florida Gator rushing attack is non-existent, but I think that's the beauty of the Florida Gators. They're not even, their top running back hasn't done it in 500 yards. So to put it on Kyle Trask's back, but he's evenly distributing the ball to his top two receiver choices, which is one of his wide receivers and his tight end. To do that, today's college football game is more about moving the ball in whatever way you can move the ball. Bama also has not been, now they're, not with Florida stats, but Bama's not running the ball as well. Steve Sarkeesian is throwing that upwards, downwards, backwards, and sideways like he's back in the Pac-12. So um, Florida is definitely moving the ball in the right way. I think their offensive ability they have is going to carry really well when they go to the college football playoff because Ohio State is a pass-only team, so they'll be able to defensively coach that up. Um Alabama is not the it's not the rushing favorites that Nick Saban used to have back in the day, and then Clemson, of course, as we saw without Trevor Lawrence, they have nothing. So I think it slots them in perfectly for the mix of what the playoff is, and it'll make for really good football. That that is quite a take. That is quite a take. As we head to our fourth quarter, want to. Make sure everybody who knows and everybody who's watching us make sure that they, they know that they can not just catch us live, but catch us on uh, Facebook, catch us on YouTube, catch us on podcasts. We're on so many. We're on so many. Uh, there's so many opportunities to get your friend stream sports fix. I don't even know how to handle that. Do you, you know, know how what? to handle that, Rutledge? I know that you can even participate with us live, like our good viewer Steven does week after week. Steven has a couple good takes I want to share here live on the air right now, which goes straight into our podcast. Steven calls out Kirby Smarter being just a step above Will Muschamp as a coach. That's a hot take. That's a, that's a hot springs water take, Steven, so that's a powerful one. He also says that Coach O doesn't think that Coach O's in a decline, but that Joe Burrow made Coach O look better than what Coach O was. I agree with that. Joe Burrow was a very much Ohio State level quarterback, and I think Coach O kind of just took that talent and made it work in down in the state of Louisiana, as he would say. Oh, there you go. Well, Rutledge, uh, you, you, you were so pontificating so eloquently about the Florida Gators. Uh, I, I don't want you to stop. Talk to me. Talk to me about why my pick is wrong. For oh. Texas a and Aggies is number four. So for all of you listening out there, this is our first ever friends get in a fight. So Connor and I are going to sit here now. We're going to take our alternate picks and we're going to rip each other's picks apart. And Connor, this is about the most confrontation we've ever had in our friendship. So I hope we're still friends streaming sports at the end of this. Because... You know, you know, once the fact that I still talk to you after you say you don't like stuffing or pie at the Thanksgiving table, uh, I might be able to, to forgive this one too. 
Well, I'm thankful for that. All right, here we go. So Texas A&M, here's, here's, here's my number one, and you can't counter this argument, argument. And I'm gonna go and quote a great movie of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And do you remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Connor, do you remember it well? Oh, I do. So there's a scene, they're in Willy Wonka's office, the tour's over, all the kids are gone, but Charlie and his grandfather, and Willy Wonka basically tells them, get out, and goes in his office. And the grandfather says, Mr. Wonka, what about the lifetime supply of Charlie chocolate for Charlie? When does he get that? And Wonka reads the contract to them, and uh, basically reads this entire contract in complicated verbiage, and says to them, you stole a fizzy lifting drink, and he basically just shouts really loud to them, you lose, good day, sir. And then the grandfather tries to argue back and he just says, I said good day. And I say that to Texas A&M because you lost to Bama. You lose, you lost. Please explain to me, besides the BCS era of Bama LSU that we had of the game of the, of the, game of the century back in the 2000s, you lost. There's no counter argument. You can't tell me that you can lose to the team who possibly is going to go into the playoff, maybe as a number one seed. This is assuming that they beat Florida handedly, they would become a number one seed. How do you as their loser go in just because you were the last person to have a pity loss against them? No, you're done. So even though Texas A&M is roastering up the polls because they might look good, anyone beating LSU right now is an overrated one because LSU is not good. And hopefully for them, they're in a rebuilding year, but I think it's a lot worse. Um, the other way for them to get into the playoffs besides that is Florida. I have it right here. Florida and Clemson and Cincinnati all have to lose in order for you to make it into the playoffs. That's too many things, too many plates spinning at the same time for it to work. And Kellen, um, and then for Kellen Moore, while we say he's doing really, really well, he's not. Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina is having a better statistical year and more of a dominant quarterback while he's not in the same division He's having a way better impactful year than Kellen Moore is So how is a quarterback who's not who is playing in a different area with less talented receivers? With a less known coach doing better than you So it just your their win one of their close wins was a 17 to 12 Vandy win and Derek Mason is gone your resume doesn't add up. It doesn't say that you're doing well. To me, it more says that, yes, you beat Florida, but Florida was figuring out. Plus, they had coronavirus struggles, which I'm going to use as saying that that blows up their week. So how do you get it when Bama destroys you that all of a sudden you get to go play for a national championship? I would rather see, I think I rather more support the Big Ten being ranked higher than it should be than seeing... Um, a&M going to the playoffs. Wow, that that is a take. That is a take, Rutledge, uh, for sure. And that's a touchdown. You're storming back. It's a touchdown uh, within eight points. There you go. So, well, you know, I think, you know, you make a lot of great points about, you know, Texas A&M's loss and Kellen Mond, who plays NFL players in the secondary every week, you know, not having a statistically as good a season as another quarterback who plays sociology majors um, every week. How does Florida? How does Florida get it? You lost to Texas A&M. Uh, not only that, but I think that the 
Georgia win, which go although going into the season, if this conversation were to happen in August, the Georgia game looked like a much bigger and better opposition. But Florida needed Georgia to play a whole lot better than they did and a whole lot better than they have uh, throughout the course of the uh, throughout the course of this SEC season uh, for that win to look good. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't just because of how Florida and, and I'll give credit to Florida. Florida picked apart Georgia's defense. But man, those Georgia quarterbacks when the Gators played them, I mean that that looked like that looked like it was not anywhere close to an SEC caliber type player or big or good SEC caliber type player. Here's the little dirty secret about the SEC, uh, and that is you've got the great programs at the top that really, really, really carry it through. The whole conference isn't like full of just NFL, you know, NFL and oh, Mississippi State could go take it to to you know the New York Giants. No, the the top is really, really good, especially Alabama, which. Uh, if that if your only loss is to Alabama, not a bad loss. You and I both, Rutledge, sat uh, after the Iron Bowl this past week and were joking that Auburn was probably just going to drop maybe like one half of a position in the polls. Um, in that uh, in that SEC, in that Alabama is so stinking good that you know, man, it's it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world to lose to Alabama. Uh, you know, and to say that Florida, they they just oh all they got to do is go into Atlanta and beat Alabama, you know that's that's like saying well all I got to do is go hit the Powerball and and go take Dalvin Cook to go take this touchdown run to the house here, uh, Florida State Seminole very fitting as I'm talking smack against the Gators as the Florida State Seminole puts one into the house, uh, but you know I think. Along with the coach, I think Jimbo Fisher, as I mentioned, Jimbo Fisher has been there before. When has Dan Mullen been there? Dan Mullen has had plenty of shots throughout the SEC. Dan Mullen has had plenty of opportunities. And what what big games has Dan Mullen won? Has Dan Mullen ever won? Has Dan Mullen ever even competed for a conference championship throughout his throughout his coaching career? No. Uh, will Dan Mullen go get through a still pretty weak SEC East compared to the West, right? Because Georgia is not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be. Yeah, they can do that. You can do that in the East, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta go play, you know, they got their Tennessee game coming up. Woohoo, right? You know, what was it? Kim Jong-un even turned down the Tennessee job when they were trying to get a coach last year or a couple years ago. Uh, I think not only that, but very recently, if you, I know we like to talk about the eye test a lot, especially this season. Florida has started pretty dang slow in their last two games. They, they ended up putting it together and winning it, but Florida has started pretty dang slow in those last two games against very inferior opponents, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats and the fighting Sarah Fullers of Vanderbilt University. Um, but and, mad respect you know, to Sarah Fuller. Mad respect to Sarah Fuller. Big time respect to Sarah Fuller. Um, so I think that, you know, man, the Gators, the Gators have a, and actually, furthermore, according to the college football playoff selection, which just happened earlier this evening, Texas A&M doesn't need Cincinnati, Clemson, and Florida to lose because Texas A&M is ranked fifth in the college football playoff, and they're going to actually have the 
they're going to have the ability to not play in their conference championship game, which could end up being a positive for them. Uh, because if Dan Mullen, if the trend continues, and Dan Mullen has never beaten Nick Saban, oh. uh, you know, and if that trend continues in the way that it very well could uh, in Atlanta, that's not a, you know, that's not a gimme game to say that Florida versus Alabama is a gimme game is, uh, 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 I, don't, I don't know how I feel. That That's a hot take. That is the hottest take we've heard tonight to say that that's a gimme game. Uh, Florida will have two losses. And, you know, I know we've talked about LSU a couple times, but, you know, I don't think we're going to ever see a two-loss national title team like we saw previously with those LSU fighting Tigers. So, sorry, Rutledge, I'm going to have to disagree with you vehemently that the Florida Gators should not be the number four team in the country. Well... I cannot give them one ounce of a bit. Not, I cannot give one twelfth of a man that Texas A&M should go to the playoff. It doesn't make any sense. It's going to feel even more backwards to the year that Baylor and TCU, who are undefeated in the Big 12 each, got skipped so Ohio State can go in. So we will stay being friends, but we will both disagree but Connor, give us really quick, what is that top four from the college football playoff as we close so our fans know since that broke tonight? Top four is you let me see here. Give me give me one second here and while I pull it up, our show needs a producer. If if anybody wants to be producer for us, we would love to make that happen. But in no particular order, you've got uh, you've got Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Uh, rounding out the top four. If I could pull those rankings here momentarily, I sure will. Producer Stephen Kicklider coming in clutch on the comments. Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. That's the top four. And Connor is really turning around his Madden luck. Uh, Man, 32 to 18, plus some massive so sacks. A lot of massive sacks here tonight. So, um, Skull Vikings. I have another update as I just pulled up my ESPN app. In the in the State Farm Championship Classic, uh, Michigan State leads Duke in the start of the second quarter, 51-36 to 36 in basketball. Wow. I know. We'll talk some college basketball later this year. But for now, we come to another one. Congratulations. That's two in a row. As you like to say, good players make good plays and you have had some good players over these past two weeks so that i have we're going to move into our finals for the week and we're going to take our picks so our first picks we have we're picking one college football game and two nfl games let's start with college football we're going to stay in the big 10 two big matchups of one team who is getting not enough attention or not enough respect in the one team who's getting, in my opinion, too much respect, and that's Indiana versus Wisconsin. Connor, who are you taking this weekend? No Michael Penix for Indiana. No go for the Hoosiers. I'm picking Wisconsin. Go Badgers. Go Cheese. I'm taking it that this is Indiana's time to shine, that they are a next-level program. They weren't ready for Ohio State, and we all knew that. But I think even though they have that sort of no Michael Penix going on, I think they can kind of make some moves. And I'm going to put my striped overalls on for the Hoosh. Go Hoosiers. Ooh. Yeah, nice. next, next uh, we have next the... Next up, 
Yeah, Bills versus 49 Bills at the San Francisco slash Phoenix 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you have playing? Are they in Phoenix this week? For they real? Are, they are playing in Phoenix because... Because the, of the protocols. Because of protocols and restrictions and whatnots. Okay, so as that goes, who's your take? I'm going to go Bills. Both teams are traveling. <laughs> um, this is true. Going to go Bills. Um, I know 49ers are banged up, and right now, as it stands, all the N- NFC West is in the playoffs. 49ers will probably be, could very well be that one team out of the NFC playoffs from the NFC West. So going with the Bills. I'm also going with the Buffalo Bills. I think this is where people really stop putting a coin flip over the um, AFC East, and they really sort of start to take Buffalo serious. So go in the Bills. There you Last go. Last game Finally, for our weekend got... is yep. we have Connor's favorite, the Cleveland Browns, versus the Tennessee Titans, and they're traveling to Nashville, Tennessee. Who do you have? Rutledge, do you have a seatbelt nearby? <laughs> I do. I'm buckled up. You should buckle up because I'm actually going to pick the Cleveland Browns this weekend. No uh, way. Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett is uh, coming back, uh, so he should be playing this week. I think that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, – I understand that Tennessee runs the ball, but Miles Garrett can be effective enough to get Tennessee in a lot of second and long and even third and long situations, thus negating the running game. And I think that Miles Garrett is going to have a big welcome back party. And I think that the uh, Cleveland Browns are going to win. I think that Tennessee running game is, while Derrick Henry has is consistent, this week was huge. I think their running game is still too strong. They're firing on the right cylinders. I think that massive trade is going to fly through Nashville and is going to run all over Cleveland. And, Connor, I think you're going to be in the dog house with that pick and definitely not in the dog pound because I'm taking Tennessee. Oh, well, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. For that, we want to thank our viewer, Stephen, for coming out again, telling everyone you can find us every night, every week on Twitch, Tuesdays, live, 8 p.m. Come out, hang out with us, interact with us, be a part of us. Um, we also are out there on podcasts. We have YouTube. We have great content coming. Sports never stop. Neither do we. But for that, I'm Rutledge. And I'm Connor. And thank you for coming out. Have a great night.